0: This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All right, so we are in Jude. We've been walking through the Bible. Those of you who've been uh, either tuning in online or you're gathered here with us this morning and I want to take you to Genesis 3 to start. So Don't worry. You are at the front of the Bible and the back. So those of you who are excited, you knew where Jude was. I'm just taking you to the other end. So don't don't worry. I should still hold you here. Genesis 3 is going to give a setting for what Jude's going to be sharing with us today. Genesis 3, verse 1 and 2. Now, I was talking this past week. We've got a class I was leading, and I reminded people, and I'll show you visually this wonderful thing called how much of the Bible uh, talks about people when there was no sin. Those of you Uh, who can see it. I'm holding up how many pages? Take a guess. It's one. Genesis 1 and 2. That's it. Everything else is God's love story to win you back. So you got one page before sin. The rest is God making sure that you knew you are his child. So by Genesis 3, uh, sin's with us. So here we are, Genesis 3, 1 and 2. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden did god actually say all the serpent wanted to do was just plant one 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 seed of doubt just one just lay that one seed of doubt in there uh boy it doesn't take a whole lot it's not till revelation 20 Uh, in the book of Revelation that John's actually going to let you know who the serpent is. Uh, That's actually unpacked in Revelation where we're actually told uh, that the serpent, uh, the one of old, is actually Satan himself. Now, the scriptures certainly point to that, but it's John in the book of Revelation that unpacks that for you to know who's this serpent uh, who's there with Adam and Eve. Now, what was he up to? The serpent wanted to have Adam and Eve just say, God doesn't care for you completely. I mean, he certainly isn't going to watch out for your every need, your every whim. I mean, did he really say, if you have a sibling, at some point one of your siblings asks a similar question to you. I mean, you know mom and dad love me more. (laughs) I'm not saying mom or dad ever led any, I'm not trying to speak against any parents, but if they're siblings, I'm sorry. This is what siblings do. Because siblings like making sure that, you know, you have to at least be above the pecking order as somebody. Uh, so you just want to climb above a little bit. Now, lots of questions come to you, though. See, we live in an area where lots of people have moved in here. So one question that I know is asked of some parents, youth, whatever you want. Were we right to move to North Carolina? Did we enroll our kids in the right school? Should I have taken that job? See, and when we ask those questions somewhere It could be really far back in the recesses of your mind, or you're like, Pastor, you should not ask that question. Now I got got questions I didn't want, man. I, I had just gotten past that. And now I come to church, and now I got questions again. Well, I want us to remember when we have these questions, what is it that we're operating in? What's our playing field? Meaning, like, what do we see before us, around us, and beside us? And when I think of playing fields, I think of my mom. Here's why. Because growing up in my household, my mom would take my brother and I to any sporting event we ever had. Would always take us. I mean, my mom was notorious for baking uh, those little sprinkle cupcakes. Like, I'm in college, and my mom would would bring 80 cupcakes. Like, the entire travel bus would wait. Not for me. They'd ask this. Your mom here? I'm like, really? Can I get on the bus? Nope, not till your mom's here. You get on and she brings on the cupcakes. I'm like, all right, fine. Uh, So this is my, and I sit there, but here's the joke about playing fields. My mom, for years of going to Soccer games and track meets and cross-country meets does not know sports like ideas. So they're like, my brother and I could still joke about my mom thinking that somehow in the Super Bowl there'll be a home run. I mean, you see my mom, she knows it. It's a family joke. I mean, that like in soccer, you know, maybe we're going to hurdle some things. I mean, just all these different things. So we joke. But here's the reason I bring up. My playing field told me this. My mom would always be there. Always. If she wasn't, I was wherever she was because it was emergency room time. Uh, And I knew that this basis of of love was there. I didn't need her to actually know sports terms. Who really cared? My coach, I guess. Uh, But I knew what that basis was. So as we step in this morning, I want to make sure that you understand the playing field of Jude. Because as Jude's raising up questions of doubt, Genesis 3 kind of doubt, you need to know what's the playing field of life that you have. And this isn't about cupcakes and buses and track meets. This is about the life that you're living and what God's doing. So here we go. We pick up Jude 17 to 19, three verses uh, towards the end. The opening verses took you and had like a memorial of all the rebellion and strife and judgment that come against God's people who wander or those who challenge God's instruction. Then we get 17 to 19. But you must remember, beloved, You must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, beloved, this is this term. See, I got got my family on my mind, and I don't know whether it was your parents or not. Maybe it was a neighbor that you knew you were loved, wherever that place was. I want you to have that picture in your mind as we go forward because God's writing said, beloved, I, I got you. Beloved, remember the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. Jude's writing and saying, you got people who have great questions. Here's a challenge that's just tough. Growing up, one of the things that was uh, odd is people don't always know how to place you, right? You ever have people try to like, place you and set you in a certain bin where they wanted to kind of say, hey, compartmentalize you in different places. Jude wants to make sure that you as a Christian are compartmentalized in the right place. Know that you are loved. That you are beloved. That someone is always thinking of you in a positive light and would do anything. It's that one page in the Bible where sin is and the whole rest is love story. You're in the whole rest love story part. And Jude says, do not, do not think. That God has forgotten you. If you go there, uh, you've actually not understood what God is up to. Now Jude, uh, some propose, is the half-brother of Jesus. It's actually held very early uh, in an account that he's there, uh, and there's very little to suggest otherwise. So history is just held, hey, Jude's a half-brother of Jesus, and he moves forward, and he's got this question about false teachers, which Second Peter did as well. Uh, some will talk about uh, kind of the, the inferences and seeing similarities. Now why do you think there'd be a similarity between some books in the Bible? here's why, because the problem is being addressed by similar people, because it's actually real. We're like, well, it looks like parts of 2 Peter look like Jude. Well, it may be. It looks like parts of Matthew look like what? Luke, Mark, and John, because they're sharing something that we can't let go of. You need to hold on to the fact that God is holding on to you. Now, Why is it, though, that these teachers are coming, and why are these people who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit? Well, Matthew wrote this in Matthew 11, verse 12. He said that as the kingdom of God is advancing, meaning God's kingdom's moving, it is on the move, but as it's doing it, people are violently attacking it. Uh, Some different translations in in English will talk about that people are trying to grab hold of it. You get this image of... When you see something big moving, everyone wants a piece of it. This is like most of you who now, if you could, wish you had bought Amazon stock when. Come on. Yeah, that's right, 1996. Some of you wish you had bought Microsoft when. Yeah, see, some of you even know the year you should have bought it. This is awesome. Yeah, you're like, I know the year I should have bought it. That was the one. Well, this is the piece of looking at God's kingdom. It's advancing, and some people realize this ship's moving, this car is moving, this kingdom's gone. So I'm going to grab onto it because I want to. Move. Even though they don't care what the kingdom's doing, they want to be with the movement. See, they realize that there's power, there's authority, there's something. They may not even believe that God's done anything, but they see this thing that's moving people, so they want to grab a hold of it. This is Jude. Look out, people are jumping into church, not because they care about church, but they see, hey, there's lots of people who are listening to somebody. Hey, if I could get to a group of people who listen to someone, and I could influence what they're told, now I can what? Now I can make my whatever it is advance. Forceful people grabbing a hold of it. This is the warning that Jude's given. Look out for people who are trying to grab hold of this thing called church. It's why last week we talked about what? Testing the spirits in John 1, 2, and 3. Testing things, making sure you know what's happening. Because false teachers are very, very real. Now, think about questions. So last week we had false teachers. Now we've got them again. When people come into church and you've got this division, strife, and different things, sometimes people ask, Hey, is the Bible real? I would say it's a question. I say, You know, did Noah really exist? Was there really an ark? Did God make the world in six days? Did Jesus really die and rise? Now, I have nothing against questions, but what I want you to be aware of is be aware of who's asking the question. Some people ask questions not to learn, They ask questions to cause what? Disruption and division. And you know the difference. Or if you don't, this is what I want you to walk out with today. To know the difference between someone who's asking a question who genuinely cares and a person who is asking a question, get ready, we're going right back to it. Did God really say? See, it's Genesis 3. Did God really say? All he wanted to do was cast out. Some people ask the question of, is the Bible real? Uh, Is there Noah? Hey, really, was there a guy named Jacob? Hey, did all this really happen? Did they really cross the Jordan River? Was it really dry? Were were the Egyptians really there? I mean, do we have the record? Some of them aren't really asking because they want to know. (laughs) They're asking because they want you, get ready, to doubt. They want you to stumble. They want you to fail. Uh, And that's when you're like, I don't know, but the next time I see pastor, I will ask him, he must have all the answers. I don't, but I know the one who does. And I know the revelation he's given us in scripture. And that's why Jude's encouraging us, hold fast to what we know. Hold fast to the one who knows us. You see this idea of questions, somebody like, whoa, are you saying that there aren't questions? No, Proverbs 27, as we were reading through, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. It's great to ask questions. I just want you to realize who's the one asking Uh, is it someone who really cares that you are sharpened or is it someone who's not looking to sharpen you they're actually looking to crack the blade on your knife they're actually looking to dull it Uh, they're actually looking to cause a problem Uh, this is why sometimes it's okay to answer someone's question with not right now but you have to be discerning this is what juve was encouraging us be discerning about what's happening because some people actually will doubt what's happening Some people will raise questions of where it's going, but Jude takes us then in verse 20 and 21. He says, but you, (laughs) but you, beloved. See, warning of all these others, but now he comes back to us. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy. That is a lot of stuff that's encouraging there, and then there's one word that's really, really not fun. Some of you already know what the not fun word is. Building yourselves up in the most holy faith. All right, people excited. Praying to the Holy Spirit. Got it. Keep yourselves in God's love. Got it. Waiting. Waiting. You guys remember waiting for stuff? Yeah. Waiting's not fun. Uh, isn't it weird? Those two seasons in the church here of Advent and Lent, <laughs> they're all about what? Waiting. You know, Advent. Well, this is nice, but Christmas is better. Lent. Well, you know, Lent, I get it. I just want to get to, I just want to get to Easter. Being a Christian's great. I just want to get to, yeah, see, I just want to get to heaven. <laughs> but God says, you'll get there. I've got you, beloved. But I want you to realize that part of life with me is actually living life with me. You know one of the best things of being in a family is being in a family. And that's not always fun. Some of you are like, no, 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 no. The best thing about being a family is vacation from my family. See, we, we laugh, but I, don't, don't live your life that way. <laughs> For whatever reason, God gave you the family he gave you. Uh, it may be the family he gave you has shaped you to be a person who can love others in a way that no one else can. Because your family's just, man, they, they, they've made you to be just a, a, a unique person. Because <laughs> you live in a unique family. Guess what? Every family is. We're all just real good at pretending our family is... What? Normal. Because <laughs> then we ask this question. You guys ready? You probably know it. What is. Yeah. <laughs> and if I ask who has a normal family, all you will be like, sitting on hands, sitting on hands. Keep yourselves in love of God, waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. You see, this story that Jude is sharing with us as he writes and says, Hey, look out, people are going to try to disrupt you, they're trying to pull you away, they're going to try to raise doubts, raise questions. I need you to understand, I've got you today pray to me. Know the Spirit's with you and wait because that mercy, mercy which is God's undeserved grace. Mercy is something when you get it and you shouldn't. Like mercy isn't something you deserve. Mercy is something you don't deserve and it's good. The weird part is most of us grew up back to like siblings and those challenges. Unfortunately, we use mercy as like when you're getting that, you know, someone's grabbing your arm and they're shoving your arm behind your back and you have to shout out yeah, uncle, Yeah, uncle's the other one. Yeah, mercy, uncle. I get it. Yeah, you're right. You're like, Pastor, actually, it's uncle. That's what we did. All right. Well, if you were in a mercy family uh, and you sat there, it's realizing that's not mercy because you never deserved to actually be tackled or held in the way that you needed to say that to begin with. That's why I want to bring it out to you. Do not confuse God's mercy with, oh, this is God finally relieving you from the pain. God didn't inflict the pain on you, God didn't intend for the pain to be there, God didn't intend for you to be tackled, God didn't intend for the disruption of the disease. That's the reminder of going back to Genesis. Why we go back is to realize the doubt came because Satan came in and planted a seed and it disrupted God's perfect plan. And with the disrupted plan, that changed everything about how you and I interact with each other. The weird thing about doubt is some of you, when you meet a new face, sadly, you don't vocalize this, but you see a new face and you wonder, when are they going to let me down? I'm not saying any of you are ever going to say that to someone, but you've been hurt such that now when you see new faces, you wonder and you kind of go, hmm. Jude's writing to say God's shaping you in a new way, and he's reshaping you every time you get closer to the word so that you might actually see what God is doing. But challenges in the world are actually quite real, and they're complicated. So this is an account uh, taken of the challenge of Christians around the world. The weird thing about living in our country is, I don't know if you know this, uh, people in our country are really blind to most other things happening in the world. Uh, we, are, we are very closed off. Uh, and, and we just don't realize uh, that planet Earth is bigger uh, than the 50 contiguous states because some people are convinced that Alaska and Hawaii are too far away anyway. They're just vacation spots. But what I'm bringing up is this. We forget the rest of the world. And there are Christians in the world right now who when they read Jude are suffering and persecution is very, very real. I mean, our persecution is stuff like this. I had to park four parking spots further back this morning. I know that guests came today and I see them, but that is not where they should park. Because that is mine. Because I know the spot. And I've said it over the years and you know it. We only laugh why. Because we're exhausting the tension of, I thought that about those guests, and that is really bad that you knew that about me. Because we're exhausting tension, we'll listen to some of the challenges that take place in the world. The person of the Christians is very real. There's a young man, 14 years old, his name is Zaid, lives in Mosul, Iraq. Uh, Zaid is given a new phone. Zaid goes across the street to show his aunt his brand new phone. And as Zaid crosses the street, when he goes there, three men pull up in a car. And they jump out of the car and they ask Zaid, are you a Christian? And Zaid says, I am a Christian. And they blow him away. They shoot him dead. They get in the car and they leave. His wife, his mother Hamida, when approached by an organization called Voice of the Martyrs, is asked the question, Hamida, how do you do this? Here's what she says. She says of Zaid, he was a Christian. Hamida said crying then, he would never deny his faith. We will stay as Christians. That is our faith. Despite the suffering they have caused, Hamida forgives her son's killers. Hamida went on to actually say this. She said, God will judge them, not me. She said, I forgive them. If they greet me, I will greet them back. The reality of persecution of the world is very real. But Zaid held on to the fact that Christ wasn't just a Sunday morning song, he's not just coffee and cakes. Christ is someone that holds you in the midst of a storm that people could hold you at gunpoint and you would not deny Christ because the eternity that God has for you is worth any physical challenge. And that Hamida is still a Christian to this day. Now, unfortunately, she has moved from Mosul. She has moved into a Christian community uh, because she figures that it is safer for the rest of her sons. She wanted to stay, but the other said, No, Mom, we can't. We've got to go. But she kept herself praying. And Hamida stands in the midst of great sorrow and says, God has me. <laughs> waiting. You thought waiting was tough? is now waiting to see Zaid again. But she knows where she'll see him. And there's not a doubt in her body because God has given her the certainty of what will happen. Now, over the past year, as we have read almost the entirety of the scriptures, it has been to remind us that God has us, that the story of his love has welcomed us to understand that amid trial and tribulation, God will not forsake us. And we don't always have the answers. See, some of you will go, man, I don't know, could I be Zaid? Don't ask that question. That's not why I bring up Zaid. I'm not asking you to be Zaid. God uniquely equipped that young man to be who he needed to be to be bold for the faith. But what I want you to realize is something else that happens in Jude. It's verse 22 and 23. Have mercy on those who doubt. Sometimes we figure we have to have all the answers. Jude doesn't write that. Jude says, have mercy, meaning give them time. Questions are a great thing. I started out saying, hey, find out what people are asking questions. If you know anything about me, you know this. I want you to ask questions. I want you in your faith to ask. But I want to make sure that you're asking each other as Christians so you might grow. You're not asking questions to disrupt to cause crisis, persecution, or decay. You're asking questions because questions are how we get sharpened. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens armor, as one man sharpens another. That's asking questions to be built up. The scoffers are the ones coming in trying to poke at you from the side. You know the difference between someone scoffing your faith and someone who's asking genuinely, "Did, did God say that? So you can ask the same question and not be the serpent. Did God really say that he loves me? Yeah, he did. he loved you so much that he sent himself to a cross even when you didn't understand what a cross was even before you even knew that there were crosses you didn't even know who rome was you weren't even born god did that for you and have mercy on those who doubt jude wrote save others by snatching them out of the fire to others show mercy with fear hating even the garment stained by the flesh you get this do not play with sin Do not play around as if somehow hanging out with scoffers, you're going to be okay. Why i got to contextualize myself, Pastor. i got to make sure I'm I'm in the midst of it. All right, I'm not saying you can't, like, know other people. Please don't hear me say that. (laughs) But do you have any idea how hot the coals of sin are? They're really, really hot. Do you know why kids like touching things in ovens? Because they're convinced good things come out of ovens, man. What comes out of your oven? Cookies. Pizza, food, snacks, lots of things. you got to teach them not everything in an oven is good. Like the hot coil, great, but you got to know how to control it. God's warning us, be aware of what you're touching. Be aware of what's happening in your life. Have mercy on one who has doubts. Because the Holy Spirit will provide for you what you need. Our opening reading from Matthew 4, from that time Jesus began to preach. When Jesus comes in his earthly ministry following his baptism, he goes out following his temptations, and he goes out and he preaches and says, guess what? An echo of what John the Baptist said. Do you know why? Because Jesus wasn't saying new things. Jesus was saying the exact same thing that had been told of old, that the prophets and all leading up had said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is, but here's where it gets better. When John spoke, John said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near." Jesus speaks and Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is it's at hand it's right here the kingdom is not far off you don't have to wait to see what God's doing God's kingdom is right here and you are all in that kingdom those who Christ has held he is holding on to you Jesus is teaching that our earthly life is focused on drawing people back to the creator and God will stop at nothing to make sure that you as you await his mercy are held near and dear to him it's why he goes forward in verse 23. We get to what the teaching goes. And he went throughout all Galilee. Do you catch that? It's not like, and Jesus went only to a few places where he knew people would gather. He goes through all of it. He didn't make my street. That's not what the text says. It says he went to all of it. He goes through all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction among the people. You serve a God who heals people. You serve a God who fixes people. You serve a God who has fixed all humanity. In the midst of the scoffers who will be at the side, do not miss for a minute. God is holding you fast. And we hold fast to him as he holds to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the Peak of Good Living, Apex, North Carolina.